Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Today, we are talking to Mark Collins from Mentored Business Sales, who's talking all about his experience from broker to business builder and turnaround strategist, I guess we might call it, um, to broker again. So his backstory is that he bought an underperforming Aussie home loan store and built it up and then sold it four years later for six times the return on his initial investment. And then he went traveling. Lucky soul. Sounds fabulous, doesn't it? Anyway, in this episode, Mark talks all about that story of of being a broker, uh, using that experience to recognize the opportunity in the market of being able to turn around a business that uh, wasn't highly saleable, didn't have a high sale value to one that then allowed him to get a six-time return on his investment. So it holds some great stories, I think, that will be of relevance of interest to brokers in other ways that you can potentially use some of the skills that you're building and to businesses as a whole in terms of ideas of how to drive the most return out of your business, which then drives sale price at the end of the day. We also talk about the industry and about things that he learnt along the way and some of the changes in the way that he deals with clients now with some of the information that he gleaned from his period of time as an entrepreneur running and turning around around this Aussie Home Loans business. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Buckle in because here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area. And hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now... He's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Mark. It's fabulous to have you on the show. Thanks, Joanne. Long-time listener and, um, yeah, really pleased to be here and share my story. So thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so... I really want to delve into this story. I love it, Mark, when I talk to people who are in the industry who have a background of building and selling their own business. Actually, it's really interesting. There are a lot of people in this industry who have come from that perspective, which I think is a really good perspective to come from because clearly it gives you empathy with your client's position, right? But before I rabbit on, how about you tell us (laughs) all about your history? Tell us about your story of buying and selling a business. Yeah, cool. Okay, so um, I I was actually, if I go back six or seven years ago, I was a business broker. I had my own company as a business broker and I came across this Aussie Home Loans franchise um, and I knew a little bit about it and I knew it was an underperforming business. Um, so it ends up that I bought that and I did that full time. Um, so I owned that business for five years in Port Macquarie. Now, and I have to interrupt you here, and I have to, I have to say, Port Macquarie is actually where I grew up. So I've Port Macquarie is very close to my heart. It's such <laughs> so, a small world, isn't right, it? Such a small world. I mean, it's a yeah. small place, right? So who would have thought? But anyway, continue. I, I, I love it. So we've got a business, Aussie home loan business here in Port Macquarie, underperforming. You cite it. You're a business broker, and did they come to you? Were you the sales agent for this business, or? 
No, I wasn't. So I, I, I watched the market closely and I've been doing that for years and years and years. And I came across this business and I actually had some dealings with selling some of their competitors. And I knew that they can be good businesses and can get to a relatively decent size. The guy that had it, um, he'd had it for about 20 or 30 years. And it, it's funny, after he wasn't doing much with it. He was basically retired and he's um, just looking to get out. So it was definitely an underperforming store. So I had about 200 stores and it was bottom 10% of the network. So it wasn't, it wasn't setting the world on fire, that's for sure. So um, when I came into that, it's, you know, being that you're from Port Macquarie, you'll understand this, is even the Aussie guys weren't expecting much because they said, oh, Port Macquarie is just a retirement town. There's not much happening up there. I thought, okay, great. There's a real changing market. So I went into it. And the interesting thing is I went in from day one. I've still got the business plan from day one. I've got a page there that says, here's my exit strategy in five years. Once it gets to this level of revenue and this level of turnover and all that sort of stuff, I'll sell the business. And that's essentially what I did. So I stopped being a business broker. I bought the Aussie Home Loans franchise. I set up the store in town. I went about building that store over a five-year period and then sold it at the end of, at the start of, I should say, 2018 to go and travel. Fabulous. Well, I really, what I really want to ask you is where did you travel? Because I love travel, but I'm not going to ask that because maybe our listeners want to hear more about how you actually did it with the business. So let's start with how you built it. And look, I think this might be an interesting topic. Many of our listeners are business owners themselves. So I, I think this whole concept of how you build with exit in mind is, is a really useful one for business owners themselves that are listening in. But it's a, re- a really an interesting transition from broker who sees the trends and sees what is valuable at sale that then puts their entrepreneurial hat on and says, well, hold on, how about I take a crack at it? So to our brokers and advisors out there, you know, here's maybe listen to this story with this idea of, you know, what what are the opportunities that you're seeing around the market that maybe you can participate in? So let's go back to there, Mark. What did you do in the business to turn around? Yeah, just the really basic stuff. So even before I bought the business, I had a look at, I um, mystery shopped all the brokers in town just to see what their follow-up was like. And then when I was chatting to the previous owner of the business, it was just looking at the simple things like, okay, where are his leads coming from? What's his conversion rate look like? How many customers is he meeting with? Is he doing any marketing? So it's all that higher level stuff. And it was interesting because the owner's working in the business day in, day out, and he was working hard doing loans, all that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, when I was coming into the business, I wasn't looking at any of that stuff. I was just looking at, okay, what are the metrics that I need to change to improve this thing in the short term? And we got some results very, very quickly because I was coming at it from a different perspective. And you can see that with not just this business, but multiple businesses that you look at. A fresh pair of eyes, someone looking at things that sound so simple but can often get overlooked in the day-to-day running of the general business. It's so true. So true. And, you know, I I talk about this topic a lot with many people and certainly exit advisors come from the perspective and and we certainly as well come from the perspective. If you can get into a business early enough and you can provide the skills and knowledge for the business owners, then you can help them prepare for exit so that they can get the maximum available at exit. But one of the problems with that approach that I see time and time again is that business owners are quite often a bit tired by that point. So, I I guess, you know, the the benefit of being the person coming in is that you've got this energy and enthusiasm because it's all new and you're it's not like you're hitting something that you've already been in the grind of for all of these years before. So it's an energy thing as well, I think. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly banging on about 
to business owners and saying, look, you really need to have an exit strategy. And you might touch to people and they say, look, I haven't got any plans to sell. And you say, that's fine. When I bought that Aussie, I had no plans to sell. I still looked at it and said, here's where I want to be in five years' time and here's the number that I will sell the business for. But then I worked backwards from there. So that just gave me a point to say, okay, this is where I want to get this business to if you really break it down to that. And then I worked backwards and said, okay, how many leads do I need to generate per day? And then what does my conversion rate need to be? And then literally looked at that and that became my business plan. It was a five-page document. I literally looked at it once a month. said, okay, did we generate the amount of leads that we needed to? Was our conversion rate where it needed to be? And then that all flows through to settlements, to revenue coming through the door, and then to eventually we got the business from where I bought it to when I sold it. The revenue was five times more than that. Wow, that's amazing. Did you go in with a new team that you took in with some of these ideas in mind or was it you, did you go into the current team or maybe there wasn't a current team, I don't know. Was it just you or did you go into it to a team or take a team with you? Yeah, so I actually went into it with my wife and she's got a marketing background. So she at the early stage in terms of referral partners and leads and that sort of stuff and then in the early stages, it was just about, you know, finding our feet, finding what worked, and then we built a team. And we got really lucky. We built a really great team, brokers and admin staff. And when I sold it, the business was really well systemized, and a lot of those people stayed. So for a new owner, you might look at it and say, well, Mark's done really well out of that. And yes, I did. I've certainly no complaints. But for a new owner, they took over a profitable, well-systemized, good team, good running business. Yeah, right. Okay, fabulous. And so what things or what, what's the one thing that you did or perhaps the top two things you did that created the biggest impact in the turnaround of the business? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to surprise you to, to hear this from someone who was involved in finance for five years, but I always say to people, know your numbers. I'm a numbers person, so you've got to know how many leads are coming in. You've got to know where they're coming from. You've got to know what your conversion rates are. You've got to know what your revenue is. And most importantly, you've got to know what your profit is as well. Profit's what keeps the lights turned on and keeps everyone paid. And you've got a responsibility to make sure that you do that as the owner of the business. And, you know, I took that seriously, but I shared the numbers. We're a completely open book. Once a month, we'd sit down over breakfast and I shared the numbers with everyone. Because, you know, I think a lot of business owners will try and either keep that to themselves or think that that's their primary responsibility. But you're only one person. If you've got a team of four and five, then share it around. Good ideas come from everywhere. And did you share with them as well that the, the plan was exit? <sighs> no. People knew that I had a plan, but I didn't want to share with them the, the finite end um, point to say, look, after five years, this is what's going to happen. Um, because it wasn't fixed. It was when I get to this point, that's when I think I can achieve this number for the business. But, yeah, I guess to answer your question, no, I didn't I didn't share that with the staff in the early stages. Yeah, it's interesting because some of the things you were talking about earlier about sharing, you know, the everything, and then and there obviously there's this sort of line, well, you know, not quite the everything, the, the, the grand plan, maybe not. And it's interesting because as business owners who are building tags or building to a particular plan, I, I know that there's business owners even who are, who are at the point of exit there is always this question about when do you tell staff and you know there's some approaches that relate to staff knowing and being part of the plan and then having incentives that are linked to that you, you know so they're building the exit plan and then and some and sometimes of course it just is not the right thing to do because it can create 
fear and anxiety and instability. And and I think generally when people take the decision to share that kind of strategy with their team, generally it's only a management level anyway, not, you know, everyone down to the receptionist type uh, discussion. But it's interesting. It's sort of looking at these questions, always interesting, I, I think, for us and everyone involved in the industry. So the things you did that created the biggest impact essentially were all around the numbers, knowing your leads and conversions and profit. How do, Just as a, you know, transactional type question, how did you track your leads and conversions? Was there, does Aussie already have that sort of system as part of the franchise or is that something you created when you went in there? Yeah, so that, that is a CRM system. So if anyone called or emailed or whatever and inquired about a home loan or any sort of finance, then we put it into a CRM system. So we could um, run a report at the end of the month or the end of the week and say this is how many inquiries that we had and then work our way down from there in terms of who went to an appointment, who lodged an application, what deals are settling, all that kind of stuff. But um, if I was to pull back one further step than that, when people would call us, then we, we got into the habit of asking them how they found out about us. Not everyone can answer that question. Um, so they might say, oh, well, I think a friend spoke about you or, you know, I've seen a billboard or whatever it may be. But, I mean, that started to, to give us a pattern in terms of what, what was working from a marketing point of view and what wasn't. Well, it's interesting you're talking about this because many, uh, many of our listeners who might be um, – uh, brokers or advisors or accountants, you know, are, are dealing, it's the same similar sort of business in that we're all about leads and conversions as well. So it's a really good impo- important point, I think, uh, for any business to be measuring those leads and conversions and obviously profit at the end of the day. After, I mean, it took us about two years to get enough information to sort of look at it and say, okay, our marketing is best spent in this area. And most brokers will tell you most of the business comes from referrals. So we found that at the point of settling a loan, that's when people were most likely to refer you on. So they're like, they're happy, they've got a house and they're moving in, that's great. So we started sending um, uh, settlement gifts to our clients, but we'd send them to their workplaces. So it generated a bit of a buzz and we could always see you'd send one to a workplace, especially if it was a larger organisation, you'd then start to see people coming in that also work there as well. So you can connect the dots and we could look at it and say, okay, if we're going to be sending, you know, um, settlement gifts to people at their workplaces, then we could see the business that we generate out of that. So it was quite an interesting experiment. Yeah, fabulous. Okay. So then looking at the process of selling a business. So was this your first time sitting in the, you know, that client seat? So sitting in the, the seat of the business owner actually selling the business? No. So I've done that previously with other businesses that I've been involved in. But to be fair, I did reach out to other brokers as well. Um, and I won't go naming names, but I decided to do it myself because, I mean, there, was, there, was a few, there wasn't many brokers in Port Macquarie. Ones that I did contact that, that, you know, had a good reputation and whatnot, they were based interstate and wouldn't come and see me. And I thought, how are you going to be able to sell a business without being able to sit down in front of in front of the person that's going to potentially buy it. So, oh, and I mean, you'd you'd been a business broker in the past anyway, right? So you you sort of knew the process, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, and there's and there's definitely some hand holding that needs to go on with someone that's buying a business, and also there's a lot of emotion that goes with selling a business as well. Um, so you've got to kind of match those two things up and make sure both parties have a win win. And for me, I was able to sit back, you know, because yes, I have a background in business broking. I am a business broker. But I was able to sit back and know that, okay, I'm comfortable where this situation is going with the people that inquired on my business 
and there was no stress there. I didn't need to push anything. I didn't need to tell people that there was other people inquiring. It's like, okay, take your time. You'll have all the information that you need to make an informed decision. And then I'm happy that out of the people that inquired in my business that the right person had ended up buying it. Mm. Are there any insights that you got by sitting in the seat of the business owner selling their business that maybe you, you didn't realise so much perhaps when you were a broker before you, you owned this business, I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, there's, there's emotion that goes with it. You know, that you have the buyer sitting on the other end trying to talk you down in price or whatever it may be. And it's just, you know, for, my, for me, it was something I'd invested five years of my life into building and systemizing and I think I was able to get that message across and maybe that's something that a broker, um, some brokers can't do that only an owner can do is, you know, get that message across in terms of what they've done for the business, the passion they have for it, where they see the direction going in the future, that sort of stuff. So I think I was able to do that um, and give the, the person coming in comfort that, you know, it's a, it was a good business that he took over. Yeah, okay, interesting. And so you didn't yourself use a broker um, in the process. Did you use accountants and lawyers in the process? Yeah, for sure. So I had my accountant and um, lawyer who handled the the transaction for me. But um, I'd probably say if if there was a mistake that I made out of this one is not getting my accountant involved early enough in the deal. Now I'm facing a big capital gains headache that we're, we're trying to work out. So you know, anyone that's sold a business before and, and done that as well will know what I mean. And, you know, if you are thinking of selling and always say that to people as well, it's very early in the pieces, make sure that you structure it right. Have a chat to your accountant if you're unsure. Because um, if you don't, then, you know, like me, you can end up with a big headache. Do you know what? It's it's so interesting that you're talking about that from a personal perspective because one of the real gaps that I've noticed in the industry of business sales and acquisitions is that the brokers or co- and corporate advisors quite often don't really have, have a solid appreciation of the real difference that the way a sale is structured or indeed a business is structured can have on the ultimate cash position, i.e. position in the seller's actual pocket after tax <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, I just find it so interesting. And of course, they're complex issues, but your example of realizing too late is such a common one. And I do feel like that this is something in the industry that we really need to bring in more knowledge about because it is so, it's so important. And I've seen businesses, you know, pay millions and millions more in tax than they should have, you know, and really regularly pay a lot more in tax. So good point. I'm glad you made it. I'm sorry it happened to you, however. But <laughs> Yeah, well, it is what it is. I've I've made peace with it now. But I think like like any, you know, I, I kinda I got excited when I got to that point. I went, look, I've, I've, I'm here, I'm where I wanted to be after five years. It was actually a little bit before that, about four and a half years. I went, great. I'm here, I think the market is right, I'll go to the market. And I was quite lucky with a couple of um, good candidates come through really early, had a few offers on the table. I wasn't thinking about the tax stuff. Yeah, yeah. At that yeah, point, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the legal stuff. I was just thinking about the process of selling it because that's that's what I enjoyed to do and I, I, I enjoyed that process and kind of thought, well, I'll let the my lawyer and accountant sort that out, you know, once we get to the point of a, an exchange contract and whatnot and, Looking back on it now, and that's why I try and educate my, my current clients to say, look, okay, we'll start preparing your business to go to market, but your accountant and your solicitor are probably the first people you should also speak to as well. 
Absolutely. That's absolutely true. I mean, the reality is we can make the most beneficial difference by being involved a few years before exit, but at any point before commercial terms have been, even before the deal is being touted, you know, even before you're out looking for buyers is, you know, can be a very useful point because you can still change your strategy of the way you're trying to sell the structure of the sale, I guess, you know, before you've started pitching it out to uh, buyers out there. So you had an accounting and a legal advisor. And, that, and I'm just interested in drilling into this structure issue a little bit more. How close was your relationship with your accountant? Is it that you your accountant had sort of not asked at points along the way what your long-term plan was and so you'd not had that discussion? Is that part of how that situation evolved in, in your instance? Yeah, probably. To be honest, my accountant came about from uh, a triathlon club that we're part of. We're both triathletes. So it, it was, if I look back on that now, he's a great guy, but we probably had more of a friendly relationship than, you know, an advisor customer relationship where it was a bit too relaxed. And, you know, if I look back at it now, it's like, well, maybe he should have been a bit more forthcoming, or maybe I should have been a bit more forthcoming, but it didn't turn out that way. So, I mean, if doing it differently in the future, then yeah, for sure, I'd be looking for more of that advice because you don't know what you don't know, right? That's exactly right. And look, we have a lot of accountants that listen into this podcast. And so I just think it's important messages for them as well. And many accountants do proactively ask regularly what their clients' long-term plans are. But it's just such an important question to ask because I think quite often, you know, business owners sitting in your seat don't think to talk about what that plan is. And, you know, particularly with your relation, if your relationship with your accountant is, you know, related to just sort of tax at the end of the year and maybe bazzers along the way and whatever, but but not that deeper relationship where they're integrated into your business in the sense of knowing what the plans are. You know, it's a really important question that accountants should be adding in to their discussion points. I know we as uh, legal advisors absolutely, you know, really focus on making sure we understand what the long-term goals of our clients are so we can have those discussions and help them prepare for that along the way. So, and because that helps, you know, us as advisors, accountants, lawyers, and, and all the transaction team work to an exit plan or whatever those long-term plans are. Okay, so still on the advisor point, were there highs and lows? We've heard a little bit about the lows from structure perspectives, but are the highs and lows of working with your advising team? Not really, to be honest with you, but I, if anything, I, I'd just say to you know my accountants and my my solicitor is that you know they're the experts in the area, so you know I, I can I can call them anytime and I can ask them any questions, but I'm not a solicitor, I'm not an accountant, so I'm looking for them to look at my tax returns or look at my structure or whatever it may be and say, Mark, this is probably the way that you should be doing it or you should be thinking about these things. We're even asking the questions that, okay, we're setting up your company now. Have you got any plans to sell? Have you got an exit strategy in place? If so, then you probably shouldn't be, in my case, just a sole director because you're then responsible for the entire thing when it sells. But what can you do? Hindsight's what you 
thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, look, I, but it's really good. It's it's really useful information because obviously it's given you now the skills in what you're doing now to be able to arm your clients with the sorts of questions they should be asking of their advisors. And I think it's really useful information for us to be talking about here because we have so many advisors that are listening in in relation to the things that their clients are really needing from them, that they're needing to be led. In an advisory role, we, we have a really massive responsibility to be aware of what our clients don't know in many instances and help lead them through that process. I think that's the point. Yeah, correct. And I think if you do that stuff up front, even if it's uncomfortable to do so, it's, you know, it saves you from, like at the moment, I'm still working out this with my accountant and we're putting out a fire, so to speak. I'm happy to pay the tax office what's fair and reasonable, but what's fair and reasonable really? Yeah, yeah. When there was another way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it hurts, it hurts. I get it, I get it, I feel your pain. Anyway, let's not dwell on that pain. Yeah. I can I can feel it. Um, okay, so you sold your business, you went off on holidays. How long did your holiday for? Sell us the dream we want to hear uh, all about the, uh, the post-exit fabulousness. The dream was absolutely amazing. So we planned it for five years. Um, and we had, we, well, we still have two young kids, so they were two and six at the time. Wow. I bought a caravan, hitched that up and did the lap of the country. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Such a good experience for them as well because every state's slightly different in terms of the culture and just little things like here we have the four seasons, but you go to Queensland, there's really only two seasons, a wet season and a dry season. It's just getting used <laughs> to that stuff. You can't swim in the water because crocodiles will eat you and, Yeah. But it was amazing, absolutely amazing. It was the the best time for all of us. And so how long were you away for? A full year. A full year. Wow, that is just amazing. Wow, wow. It wasn't long enough. It had its challenges with a six-year-old and a two-year-old all in a a little metal box. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't change anything. It was amazing. Oh, that's fabulous. I absolutely love it. And so then where are you now, Mark? What, What does today look like? What are you doing? So I'm with Mentor Business Sales, so I'm back being a business broker, so I'm helping people prepare and exit their business and I guess helping them from my most recent learnings and part of the reason I come back into this industry is, you know, I know what it's like. I've walked in those shoes. I've built a business over a period of time, successfully sold it and then took a year off to travel. I'm like, look, if it's done right, I know how amazing it can be. You know, I wanted to, the reason I joined Mentor is their whole thing is they want to try and change the marketplace because if you look at Depends on what stats you believe, but I've heard, you know, less than 20% of business on the market actually sell. It's one in 13. Some of the stats are even lower than that. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way because it's such an important asset for people. And it's so, it can be so personal as well that, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can take some of the stuff that I've learned over time and, and help people to, you know, go live their own dreams and go travel the country or whatever it is that they want to do. Oh, that's absolutely fabulous. Okay, and um, and Mark, tell us about the title you're using because I actually thought this was quite interesting when I saw it. Yeah, so my title on my LinkedIn is um, Business Sale Expert and Exit Planning Specialist, so quite a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that mean? I looked and I went, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that actually functionally means. What do you do? Yeah, look, if, if you think about it, um, you know, most people say, oh, yeah, business broker. Yes, we're a business broker, but I like to think there's more to it than just that. So, Business broker itself is very transactional. So you put a business on the market, sell it and move on. I guess what I'm trying to do is educate the marketplace and educate my customers to say, okay, we're going to start here. Whether you're ready to sell or not, put the things in place to get you to where you want to go. So 
that involves an exit plan. It might involve planning over the next year or two years. Then when you're ready to go on the market and you're comfortable that you can potentially get what you want for your business and what it's worth, then we walk you through a process of doing that in terms of how to market the business, how to advertise it, how to prepare it, how to find buyers, all that sort of stuff. All right. Well, um, I, I just I I love this story, and I'm I'm actually really fascinated. Has your experience of being the business owner yourself and and selling a business, then having a fabulous year off, <laughs> changed your approach? Now, like, what what are the biggest elements that you think creep into what you do on a day to day basis now with your clients that you glean from that experience? I think education, you know, people have, whenever I chat to them, I always ask, you know, do you have an understanding of what your business is worth or what you would like it to be worth? And you hear all sorts of different things. You hear, oh, I spoke to my accountant and he said it's worth this or my sister owns a shop and she's told me that it's worth this or whatever it may be. And, you know, some of them can just be absolutely wild in terms of what, you know, what it is positioned in the marketplace. So, yeah, I'd probably say for me it's about, okay, you know, getting an understanding of where that person wants to be and then educating them in terms of how to get there. And so you've built this business, you sold it, you holidayed for a year. I mean, was the dream all it cracked up to be? Did you um, or, or were you feeling ready to come back to work? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when, when I chat to people now and they're just like, oh, I just want to sell and I'm not going to do anything else and I'm going to retire. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about retiring, but I wasn't thinking about doing anything else. I just thought I'm selling and traveling. I just, I need a break. I was quite involved. But I tell you what, after a year of traveling and not doing anything, I was so bored. I was just like, no, I've got to come back. I've got to do something. I need to contribute. There's, you know, you can, you can only drink so many pina coladas on the beach before you're like, Stop. (laughs) (laughs) No one's no one's feeling sympathy. But I think about a year is is probably right. It was certainly right for me. So um Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so and I have a question. Why then when you came back to the concept of um okay, you need to do something, you need to you want to contribute probably and use your, you know, your mind thinking yeah. about things again. Why did you decide then to go into this broking and exit sort of advisory path rather than doing a buy and flip again? Yeah, potentially. Look, I'm always following the market in terms of what businesses are coming on. And I always am looking at that sort of stuff. But I just felt that there's a real need and it may take time to educate and change the marketplace. But I thought, you know what, if you can experience what I experienced and I can help you do that, and that's a good thing rather than you being frustrating and having business on the market for, you know, 12 months, 24 months, whatever, and then you end up just closing the doors as a percentage of businesses do. I just think there's a, there's a better way of doing it. So you were driven by what you felt the need was in the market at this point rather than, uh, rather than the idea of getting in and flipping again. I mean, hey, look, at, it takes a lot of energy to get in and turn a business around as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's certainly risk involved with that. Certainly a lot more risk than if it was a property, for example, because it's it's dynamic. It's always changing. And if you look at the finance industry, I I sold just as they they announced the Royal Commission. And from a broker's point of view, I mean, that was a a big part of how their business was going to operate in the future. It's all been sorted out for now, but that's stuff that's out of their control. Mm. There's nothing they could do about that. But um. Mm. Yeah, for me, I just, I just kind of, after chatting to multiple business owners, I just thought, well, you know, maybe if you 
if I can help you do it how I did it and you'll have a better experience. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, look, Mark, I just want to say a massive thank you to you for coming on to the show. Now, if our listeners want to connect with you or chat about your experience further or how, how you can help them, how do they find you? You can find me at mentored.business. Um, so you'll see my profile there and you can find a little bit more about what we do and some of our listings and how we go about it. But I'm quite active on LinkedIn as well. So if you just search up Mark Collins, and you'll see my really long title in there. You'll um, yeah, feel free to connect and happy to chat. Fabulous. Well, look, Mark, thank you so much for coming on to the program today. I've um, I really loved the story. Cool. Thanks for having me, Joanne. Well, that's it for our discussion today with Mark Collins from Mentored Business Sales. I thought it was a really interesting discussion today, all about the metrics that business owners should be looking at and thinking about if they're building a business for exit into the future. Also, some interesting comments there and discussions about communication strategy with team members about exits and about the business journey as a whole. If you'd like, more information about this topic, head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to get the details of Mark Collins at Mentored Business Sales and you'll also there be able to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition and to get transaction ready and to assist them throughout the transaction process. Well, that's it for today. If you enjoyed what you heard today, then I'd be very grateful if you pop over to Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast player and leave us a review and make sure you hit subscribe. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oakey and The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Deal Room.